graphic designers and, and brand designers know to keep hold of copyright or at least they have to grant it to their client, whatever their, their agreement is, they tend to know about that much. Um, and then beyond that, it's not even really considered. Hello, and welcome to the Brandtune podcast, which covers all things brand related, including the essential trademark and IP dimension. I'm your host, Shireen Smith, IP lawyer, brand manager, and author of the upcoming book, Brandtune, The New Rules of Branding, Strategy, and Intellectual Property. Do sign up on brandtune.com to attend the book launch on the 28th of September, 2021. Hello, everyone. I'm Shireen Smith of the Brandtune podcast, and my guest today is Joe Gregory, who started life as a graphic designer. And in his earlier days of his career, he was involved in um, branding, digital marketing, advertising, and such like. Now he's the co-founder of Rethink Press, the publishing company with whom I published my first two books. So welcome to the Brandtune podcast, Joe. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks for having me, Shireen. Um, So my background, I started as an entrepreneur at a young age. I was 19, so I worked in advertising for a year first. I went straight in with a portfolio to get a job worked for your own advertising, really loved it, um, really loved everything I was doing. I was working with existing brands. It wasn't uh, a company that, that created brands from scratch. Um, and I was just inspired by my boss. He was, uh, he said he'd started a business, his business at 19. And I thought I could probably do that. So uh, I did. And it was really early days, 1997, when the World Wide Web was becoming a thing. Right. We're doing that. So um, my first business was really web-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to work with some large companies very early on in the business growth. So it grew quite quickly. Great. Um, and I was working with, uh, I mean, talking with brands, um, two, two large financial services companies, Commercial Union and General Accident, uh-huh. were one of my early clients. Um, and so they were just merging. They were becoming CGU, if you remember that, way back yes. in, in the late 90s. Um, and then they became, obviously, back to Norwich Union after becoming the Viva. Um, so that was my kind of first taste of working with a big brand and, and actually seeing the assets and the collateral they need to keep keep sharp from that early early stage um, and actually managing it was, was kind of an eye opener to me because I was mm-hmm. I was kind of naive, rough and ready, and didn't really understand you know how these big things happen. <laughs> um, so that's it, and, and obviously you, you you've uh, referenced uh, Rethink Press. Um, I was working with small expert companies. So uh, my ideal clients uh, were small expert companies and we did digital marketing for them. It wasn't called digital marketing then, but that's what we were doing effectively. Yeah. Everything online, uh, marketing strategy. Um, and then I co-wrote a book um, on, on what we were doing, which we were calling lean marketing. And we never, we never trademarked that. And I, in a way where you see lean has become the thing it has, I wish we had. Um, we wrote a book on that and it became um, a, a useful tool in, in growing our business. Mm. And I thought, actually, if I could if I could get all of my clients to write books, I've got a completely different business here. So that's what we did in 2003. After six mm. years, me and my, my co-director at the time, my sister, 
yeah. Debs, um, we we changed direction completely from a marketing consultancy to become a publishing business. And you met me, I think, you know, when we were Rethink Press. So that was kind of several years later. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's the background. It's a bit of a kind of a hodgepodge yeah. of things I've done. But yeah, that, that's where I got to and became Rethink. Sure. So basically, when I wrote my first book or Legally Branded, one of the issues that was bothering me was that branding people didn't seem to understand IP. You know, I'd go to create partnerships with them and then I'd end up having to explain all about IP and they were very interested, but they didn't actually understand it. And actually, now, nearly 10 years on, actually, it's no better. And I've actually realized this because they're not trained. You know, graphic designers, marketers don't actually receive training in IP. And they're expected to just pick up this knowledge that they need. Um, you know, what's your experience with I think you're right. I think beyond copyright, so graphic designers and, and brand designers know to keep hold of copyright, or at least they have to grant it to their client, whatever their, their agreement is. They tend to know about that much. Um, and then beyond that, it's not even really considered. And I think this is my generalization on, on people that are drawn to that kind of industry. Mm. We are much more interested in the big idea and, and the creative than we are with the the stuff that the kind of what I'd call red pen stuff that's really really essential but can kind of spoil the fun when you've got a great idea and then you're like ah oh, we can't use it so I think it's partly uh, a willful <laughs> ignorance <laughs> to to the stuff that's actually really vitally important especially when you're building a business um, and you're building those assets of part of a business that can be sold or scaled or or partnered with other people that's that's obviously the one side and then there's the the other side where you may actually be infringing somebody else's trading name and, and come unstuck later on after you've built considerable momentum around the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I do, but I do think it, it's partially because people that are attracted to the creative side don't really want to deal with the legislative, mm. the admin side of things. Um, and, yeah. and I think what you're doing, you're, the work you're doing to actually shine a light on that side of it is critical. Um, and I, I think it, it, it should, if it's not already, be a fundamental aspect of any any graphic designer's training if they're, mm. they're going towards branding. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that entrepreneurs, business owners, just don't really understand IP. And they assume if they go to someone for branding that that person knows everything they need to know, including the law, really. They're not interested in the law either because they don't, understand why it's significant mm -hmm. so it, it creates this situation where you can get brands that are created that are absolutely worthless you know mm -hmm. I don't know whether maybe what should be happening is that um, designers should understand what the client is hoping to achieve if they've got big aspirations for their business yeah. perhaps they should bring in a law a law firm to help yeah. I, I think I mean, this is my view i'm an optimist mm -hmm. um, even if businesses haven't got big aspirations sometimes they take off it happens with books sometimes mm -hmm. the book takes off beyond anybody's expectation mm -hmm. and that's when you get the trouble really it's not it's not yeah. floating around i'm not i'm not suggesting you shouldn't do it anyway you, you might yeah. not get kind mm -hmm. of caught out 
But it's only when you're you're starting to see real success and traction that you're going to start getting the calls and the and the hassle. Yeah. You know, that could absolutely derail a, a project if you if you build mm. momentum around a name and a and, a, and an image. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think you're right. We. <laughs> <laughs> it should almost be like a checklist is like you know yeah. now it's the most important bit is to make sure it's protected and we're not infringing anybody else's yeah it's it's a difficult one i mean i've actually wondered whether ip has an image problem or is it lawyers somebody i was talking to said that lawyers are actually seen to be quite dry and they're the ones who are going to spoil the fun because they'll say no you can't do this but you know yeah that the marketers or designers want to do so yeah there's a balance i mean especially for entrepreneurs it, it, i think the assumption should be this could become big it could become mm. uh, you know a, a much bigger brand than you, you've actually anticipated especially if other partners mm. want to get involved or kind of partner with you and, and grow it and yeah I, I think it's possibly naivety on and, and lack of Mm. not ambition but lack of vision to see actually you know i might be better than i think this this idea may be better than i think it is yeah um, and and so it, and i i would say on the other side especially on entrepreneurs that are starting like bootstrapping from the ground up with no investment when it comes to where they're going to potentially spend their money they'll do the things that are going to get a direct return in that moment and then kind of lose sight of the fact that this is a really vital part of the brand yeah process um, yeah. i haven't got an answer but i think i think what you're doing is is fantastic and mm -hmm. important yeah i'm wondering whether to try and tackle it by going to the organizations that actually train people like marketers and designers yeah. um, i think part of the problem is that there is this perception that people understand what ip is yeah which yeah. gets in the way of them actually really knowing why it matters, you know. Yeah. So they've got preconceptions about IP is important if you've got a really successful business. Yeah, I mean, that, that was my view of it. You know, I think the first time I spoke to a lawyer with my first business was when we were planning to trademark something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it didn't even occur to me that I, you know, I may be trading with a name that could have problems. And mm -hmm. I suppose, interestingly, my, my, my first business, just because we, we chose a name, was called Cabal Group, C-A-B-A-L. And I was based in Birmingham, and there was a big company called Birmingham Cable. And you would think there's no link mm. at all with that. The spelling's completely different. Um, but surprisingly, we had so many phone calls. Really? You, you know, people at Birmingham Cable did TV, like, you know, cable television. Had lots of so many phone calls. People say, my telly's not working. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> how did you get us? You know, and this was this the old days of yellow pages. Oh, right. um, but yeah, so mm. I think just thinking about your branding and actually thinking if you can actually say the name, because a lot of people couldn't say the name of our our business when mm. we were trading, you know, openly as that business. Um, yes. Yeah, it's quite well, I guess in those days, the internet wasn't so much so widespread because I think now it's very easy for people to be found out if yeah. they're using a name that is objectionable there's nowhere to hide is there really i mean it is everything's much more transparent with uh the internet and it doesn't take long you know as soon as you kind of raise your head and start proactively marketing for people to see it um, yeah. so yeah I, I think i think you're right i think the idea of educating getting that into the kind of the idea that you know designers entrepreneurs are thinking in terms of what ip is 
and actually how fundamental it is. It's as fundamental as, as the other regulatory stuff you do in your business. So you wouldn't, you, you know, I'd like to think I've always used an accountant, but, you know, the financial stuff is important. This is just as important. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, it's effectively property IP. So when you trademark something, yeah. you have an asset, which is property. It's got property rights similar to land that you might own. And that's actually where all the value of your business is contained. So Rethink Press is, funnily enough, it will be that name yeah, that's that's all we've got really you know we yeah. don't we don't have you know we don't have offices i don't mind saying that we work from home offices it's a network it's yeah. only what we deliver and what, what we're called that has got inherent value really that's um, right yes and, and obviously because we're a publisher we've got lots of ip in terms of yeah. a license to to publish those things um so i find it yeah i i think just use my own reference point of reference naivety is part of it Kind of not wanting to look at the grown-up stuff is another part of it. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not disparaging other creatives. Like I'm not saying we're all kind of running around yeah. in a kind of childish everything will be fine way. But I, I think a lot of the time it's like that stuff just seems a bit more serious. And I want to just do the fun stuff. And then I'd yeah. say on top of that, it's just allocating resources and not seeing the significance of actually, just as you would with a with a house. Like I've just moved house. You make sure you own that, and you get legal yeah, advice yeah. to ensure you own that. Um, yeah, you're not, you know, that that bit of garden that you might think is yours is actually yours and not somebody else's. And we we often miss the point um, when it comes to the the intellectual assets we're creating, the, the branding mm. um, assets we're creating. Yeah. yeah, I think it's still maybe regarded as something quite esoteric that you know is doesn't really have an impact until yeah. somebody actually is in a situation where. You know, it, it does have an impact. Yeah. I mean, if a business goes into administration, often the only thing available to sell um, that's got value is the brands like HMV when it went into administration. The brand had quite a lot of value. Yeah. You know, and it's the same all the time whenever a business is split up, if people don't want to buy the shops and all the other aspects it's the brand that might yeah you know, that goodwill and if, if you've attract if you've attached goodwill even in the smaller scale to mm. to a name that you then find out you can't use when, when you really need to <laughs> exactly, you know that's, a, that's yes. a devastating blow for a business it is yeah so what does ip bring up for you when you hear in, that it's say a book on intellectual property what's I, I think actually you just pointing out the word property i think it gets thrown around and just shown to ip all the time i like i really like the intellectual bit i like the idea um but actually just seeing it as property simplifies mm-hmm. the whole the whole way of looking at it it's like what are you creating what do you actually own yeah are you are you trying to own something that you can't own because somebody else already owns it yeah um, i think thinking in, in that sense of it as property is really important and on the other side, an asset that can can generate income. Um, I mean, that's why I'm in publishing. That's why I love publishing as a business model mm-hmm. because I get access to 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 capitalize on lots and lots of little pieces of intellectual property yeah. that other people have created, and it's a really really useful business model. That's why publishers like it as well. Yeah, um, to operate. Um, and so, things that I've learned as, as our business has grown is we we 
we engage in a lot more foreign language rights and mm-hmm. subsidiary rights deals now. And actually, before another publisher will touch that, they want to know that you've got rights to the illustrations in that, the design of the, yeah. the thing. You know, there are so many more things that count as property than just the name. And I know we're, we're specifically yeah, talking about branding, but e- even our look and feel is part of our brand, you know, the way we, we design cool. books. Yeah, copyright is actually universally relevant for every business, but especially, obviously, yours is being in publishing. Um, You know, one of the issues with branding is that if, if you create something like a logo, you know, you might be able to use the logo, but you don't actually own the copyright in it unless the creator, the assigns it to you and most people are not aware of that i mean do people ask uh, for an assignment of the book cover designs at all no so i mean this is following your really good advice shireen we we make sure anybody that works as part of our team because it's an it's an extended team of freelancers that the assignment of copyright is to us in any design that happens yeah and any work that's done so that we can then ensure our authors have really got you know when we say they own the copyright and what's being created at the end of the process after we've yeah. you know run out our license or and, until they say i want it back yeah but they have got full use of all of those things for the purpose of, of continuing to publish um i hadn't even considered it and i don't mind admitting that way way back i mean this is yeah. this is kind of pre-rethink but we, we got your advice really the early days of rethink it had just become a yeah it was actually the early days i think you looked at our contract Mm. Um, and said yeah. and you raised the point what what do you do with in terms of your team I'm like oh I hadn't thought about that yet yeah. so I, mean, I would say talk to somebody like you or you immediately when you're trying to do anything that looks like um there is copyright involved or yeah. or and especially you know just knowing you've got the right to use those brand assets um that you've been created if your creative has created a logo for you yeah. again it comes down to when it's massively successful if you if, if your designer created the next Coca-Cola uh, and they find out 20 years later, but actually I never assigned the copyright to you, mm. they may be expecting a, a, a nice paycheck when you try and do more yeah. with that. Um, exactly. So yeah, that, that's part of it. So in our case, and, and in order to, sell, to to ensure we can smooth the subsidiary rights, just making sure we've got a list of all the, the things that comprise that book. So we can say, yeah, here it is. It's a clean list. We've got clearance. Yeah. to do that has become a much more important and significant part of our work yeah. as a publisher. I suppose you, you're helping people to create their brand in many ways because yeah. the book is very much part of their yeah. messaging. and Yeah, and naming things. I mean, I think that's one of my, within the business, one of the things I think I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have got a bit of a knack for. And it often comes out of our authors. I don't, I don't claim any special power to to mm-hmm. give names to things it's usually the words that kind of combine into, into what our authors do and weirdly for a brand like for a book it can be quite descriptive and, and as you were always saying when you try and do that for a brand and trademark you get into all kinds of mm-hmm. problems I mean in a way it's good news for book book titles uh, yeah. but it's not so good when when you know if I if we come up with a particularly great book title mm-hmm. there can be obstacles then to actually Yes. Do you search them yourself? I mean, what process do you go through when you choose names? If it sounds like it, I mean, there should be a better process. We probably should do it every time. If the title sounds like something that's not quite descriptive and could be a brand, I will go. I will go and look through IPO, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I'll look there at least as a as a 
basic check. We'll always check Amazon to see if there's anything else out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of as far as we go. Um, but if it sounds bigger, I always say talk, talk to a lawyer. You need to, you know, if you're going to, especially if you're planning to build, you know, brand assets, a website off this, maybe a program and, and other things beyond that, it would be talk to a professional to make sure you've got sure. those things covered. Um, I mean, I, I've actually uh, trademarked Brandtuned as in the US, EU and UK yeah. because it's I know what could go wrong, you know, and how much more expense and hassle is involved than just, you know, you from the start. regarding it as a cost of business. To yeah. right. Just seeing it as a normal cost of business, as you would an accountant, mm-hmm. as you would say any other part of it. I think that needs to come really early on on any any new business venture you're creating yeah it's a shame so when you trained as a graphic designer were, were there any lectures at all on ip or? well i mean I, as i say i came in a, a bit of an odd angle so i just did college i only did college and had a portfolio and got a job so i didn't do any formal training so i honestly can't tell you from oh. a, a degree point of view my feeling is absolutely not because that's not it wasn't in the curriculum in terms of what skill they were training for yeah um, and i think i think the assumption is oh well you'll just get lawyers to do that bit <laughs> and you work with lawyers but of course if you don't even have if you don't know what you don't know yeah about ip that's when you don't think to ask a lawyer because you don't know there's any any there is any an issue. issue yeah um, so i think that's the missing piece it's not necessarily that that brand creators should get really good at doing that work. They just yeah. need to know that part of their duty of care to their client is talk to a lawyer that understands yeah. this stuff um, before we take it any further. That's right. Uh, like you to to be able to do some preliminary checks themselves, yeah. and then to know when to say to someone, you know, go to a lawyer. Yeah. That's and especially you, you know the clue, and we we have fallen foul of it every so often where we thought they had a registered trademark, but it wasn't quite registered enough. <laughs> and I, I mean, I won't, I won't go into detail on that, but there are levels and levels of of, of protection yeah. that you don't know about as an outsider if that's not your your skill. Um, so you can you can fall foul of that. But yeah, as soon as an author says, "I think I'm going to trademark this title," I'll be like, "Talk to a lawyer," because yeah. that may not, you know, having a title that works for the context of a book that's descriptive about what's in the book is very different than saying I'm now going to own an asset with this. But even then, you can still get into trouble. Like, you know, if you put the Coca-Cola handbook, um, it might be a descriptive book on how to drink Coca-Cola. You're still going to get into trouble. You can't just, you know, pinch brand names and and, and yeah. trade off them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it just feels so great. In an ideal world, it would be lawyer on every single thing <laughs> we did. You know, is this design okay? Yeah. Um, and I, I think... There's, there's obviously got to be a bit of a balance of kind of like you know feel your way in and then do it. But I, I would say yeah, as a as a standard starting point in business, IP should be taken as seriously as your mm. your kind of financial regulatory stuff. Um, yeah, I think part of the problem is the cost of it. Um, you know, going and getting one to one advice yeah. from a lawyer can be expensive. So that's that's one of the issues I'm thinking about you know how can i introduce something where people have access to the basic information and then without much cost a sort of ability to ask questions maybe in a forum situation where you don't have to pay for one-to-one advice 
I think we, you know, lawyers could do more to create something accessible. Yeah, I think, and I think it's it's, it's a little bit like you don't know how much it's going to cost, do you? With because you just don't know, and 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 the reality is you, you can't say it's just going to be this because you don't know what's necessarily going to come along when you try and do it. Like an example is when you helped us uh, register Rethink Press. Mm-hmm. There were things down the line that we wouldn't have known about had we not gone through the exercise. Um, yes. And and it was absolutely, you know, so I felt so good that we'd done the process because if we hadn't and carried on trading without actually registering, we could have had real trouble later on as the business has carried on succeeding and, and growing. Yeah. Um, we would have got more attention. Um, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think your your point about making it kind of feel more accessible, I suppose a checklist or even a even a series of kind of information <laughs> infographics that say, you know, thinking of doing this, you need to talk to a lawyer. Thinking of doing this, you really need to talk to a lawyer. To celebrate the release of the Brand Tuned book, we're hosting a launch event on the 28th of September when key figures like Rory Sutherland, David Arker, and Rob Myerson are interviewed on video. The book is about how to create a distinctive brand using IP to stand out. It's in line with the evidence-based research from the Ehrenberg Bass Institute into how brands grow, which highlighted the important role identifiers like the brand name, logo, symbols, etc., play in bringing brands to mind in consumers' memories. It's critically important to ensure the identifiers created for your brand are legally distinctive and protected in the right way so they prevent competitor copying. Do register to attend and take part in the special offers available. Sign up at brandtune.com. The link is in the show notes. Talking to a lawyer could be expensive. So I'm thinking of saying, okay, you're thinking of using um, a logo. This is the, the basic information to know about. You can trademark it, can't trademark it, whatever. And, and I'm sure, I mean, your book will go a long way towards that. But yeah, I think, I think just simplifying that and I think... Yes. Thinking about creatives and entrepreneurs where they are, I think the simpler the better. With like a three, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, some simple things or a checklist of have you checked these three things before you you go any further. Yeah, I think people like to be independent, so they having to work with a lawyer just doesn't work because a it could be very costly and b it doesn't give you independence to yeah. create brands. So. I wonder, as a, as a as a further thing, I, I'm sure you've thought about this. Like, if you had brand tuned accredited designers mm-hmm. that know their way around it enough to know yeah. when you need further help, and, and at least will avoid the pitfalls. I mean, yeah. just having that that would become a selling point for them as well. It's like I've got this accreditation which sets me apart from yes, yes, you know, another designer. I think that could be a useful mm. thing, and I I. I I'm kind of in a, in a lot of ways glad I'm not a graphic designer anymore mm. because there'd be so many things that I'd need to get right. And and, and yeah. as a graphic designer, one of the things is naming that client brief. When you've gone through that creative process and you nailed the brief, I yeah. suppose some graphic designers may be kind of wary of 
now now we'll make sure that we can actually use it because I think I've run out of <laughs> I've run out of creative juice on this particular project and if I get a no to this it's back to the yeah. drawing board but I would say for most creatives and this is my view mm. when we get pushback so we you know we work with client with, with you know on, on book titles if we get a book title that's particularly amazing and we're like oh no somebody else has got that title we find a book appears on Amazon within the same time frame often you get a better title as a result of having to go back to the drawing board and just go that one step further and you get a better name. Yeah. Um, so I think just being open to that happening is important, but you know, whether you're open to it or not, the reality will still bite if you don't protect yes. that, that asset you're creating. Yeah. I think one of the problems is that IP is inherently complex. I mean, it's annoying as a lawyer as well, not yeah. to be able to give nice cut and dried advice all the time and, However much you want to, there are some situations which are really not possible to give people comfort that they need. So, like, for example, if you choose a name that lots of other people have got a similar element in their name, so not really generic, but it's in widespread use, say fusion or something is in the name you're going to get lots of other brands that are using that name. And it's very difficult to give somebody the go-ahead and say you'll definitely not have problems because there are so many people using Fusion yeah. that no one of them, none of them can claim exclusive rights. And I, what I say causes confusion, doesn't it? You've <laughs> con before it, that's what happens. Yeah. Nobody knows who really owns it and you can't really ever kind of get that traction that you might want to get as an entrepreneur exactly yes so people don't like distinctive names that stand out and don't mean anything but actually they are the simplest check the easiest way to stand out you know and and i think as anybody you know any any good brand person will say like the image and the, the name it's what comes next is really branding it's what you hook to that those yeah. assets that, that really matters to the business so you know, often trying to get that that killer perfect name isn't as important as actually building a business and a reputation that you can attach to that name. That's right. You know, yeah. rethink press is meaningless, really. It's not. Um, yeah, it's just a name. Once meaningful. you've got a name, it's. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's what we do, you know, that actually reputational stuff we go to. And now people are seeking us out. If we had to change the name, it'd be like back to square one. We're kind of having to keep yeah, telling everybody, mean, you know, here we are, we've changed our name. Um, yeah, you've got a certain reputation. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, you yeah. see, the problem though is that there is never any knowing whether somebody's going to take objection to someone's name, even if they they haven't got solid rights. Yeah, it's very possible for people to be quite territorial and object to something. And yeah, so- and I, and I think that's just it's kind of the nature. The, the metaphor of business is competitive. Yeah, it, it, it is competitive, and it's kind of like I want to hold up. I, I want the whole board. I want. I want monopoly on on this, and mm. and it, it's a shame that it's not more collaborative. But the reality is, it isn't. Um, yeah. So while while I feel kind of that's a shame, like we can all work together. And 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 a great example again of how mm. you negotiated our brand use. There's a there's a charity that uses the word rethink. Yes. Um. That that did object kind of calmly and you know yeah. rationally. Um, but we still had to resolve that with them. It wasn't yeah. as simple as saying, right. you know, they weren't saying we own all rights to any use of rethinking any kind of name. But at the same time, they wanted to make sure their their corner of that was protected. And and yeah, yeah I mean, that was fascinating to me to know that. And and it, it kind of 
it showed the kind of caliber of their organization really mm-hmm. um that they were open to negotiating rather than yeah you know, kind of well crazy. often it happens like that that people settle you know they, they have some reservations they want those reservations to be taken on board and then everyone's happy yeah. so but that really for a startup or a small business they regard that as a disaster and they would think that they should have been forewarned that this yeah. could happen because they haven't really got the funds to deal yeah. with with that and so i i think you almost need a different strategy if you don't want to come up against trademarks <laughs> yeah yeah i think and i think i think it starts from day one like it's fine to trade a little bit but as soon as you start actually thinking like i'm trading and i'm attracting reputation to an image and a, and a look and feel that's where i think it, it is just a vital yeah thing to to at least consider at least ensure you're not infringing anything else because that would be I suppose like I'm going all the way back in time now. It may have been 2001, 2000. One of my clients ran a, a sales program called Spiral Selling. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about this, there's a there's a methodology that was developed with IBM. There's a, a methodology called spin selling, mm-hmm. which is world famous. They wrote him a really, really like, <laughs> do not, you know, you can't even like, because spiral spin, you could see, yeah. you could see the parallel. And he could have probably argued that because he was a small, it was a small trainer. Mm-hmm. It was just enough. That cease and desist was enough for him to go. Oh my! I'm not touching yeah. that ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll re I'll rethink my whole model yeah. as a result of it. And I remember that was my kind of one of my first, mm-hmm. you know, um, obs- observation of of it in action when when it, yeah. it can be quite you know a very assertively kind of. Um, they are, yes. I must say, if I'm choosing a name and there is any risk that somebody's going to object, I I decide not to go ahead with that because basically it's not worth spending time and money in disputes if you don't need to. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think choose well at the beginning and you avoid all sorts of problems. Yeah. Oh, fab. Yeah, no, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I I feel like I've... um, I've been lucky enough to know you for quite a while now, and we, we've we've used your services many times to help us ensure we're not we're not getting in trouble. I still, I suppose this this is the same for every entrepreneur. You still think every little thing you do. I'm really, you know, in an ideal world, we should talk to you on about everything. And sometimes we just go, let's feel our way a little bit first. I mean, have you got a, a view on on that? Is that like is that like a bad strategy, or is that kind of just an entrepreneurial thing? You kind of get in a bit of trouble before you might necessarily talk to somebody that can ensure you're not going to get any any more. Well, you've probably developed quite a good sense of what you can and can't get away with. So it yeah. depends who you are. I suspect you're okay, but somebody with very little experience may not make the right call. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, you see, I, I suppose you see like on a smaller scale, it's not really branding, but I suppose it is. You see so many infringements of font usage and and you know other parts of, of the puzzle you just think you know are you really are you really squeaky clean there because you're probably not or or when people share memes or or mm. video or music in their their content when they're just doing social mm. strategy i think there's so many ways you can get yourself in trouble now so many more ways uh, yeah i mean i i take risks like for example using and somebody's logo if you want to to say coca-cola looks like this theoretically you're infringing copyright if unless there's a newsworthy item that you're reporting on 
But I take that risk because I suspect that Coca-Cola isn't going to come after me because I It's do. a reasonable and rational risk as well, isn't it? That, you know, technically it might be, be wrong, but like you're saying something about Coca-Cola and they want the brand to be proliferated. So yeah. it's probably, you know, unless you're saying something bad about Coca-Cola. It's not doing any harm. And if, if yeah. anything, it gets their name out there more. You know? Yeah. I mean, and one thing we've really got, we've cracked down on in our business is um, is decorative quotes at the beginning of chapters. Uh-huh. It's like we we get rights clear, clearance. We, we checked in with the PLR, the, the uh, I can't remember the, 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 the acronym, um, that you need rights clearance on all of those quotes if they're used in a decorative way. And, and I'll say, like, I'm, I don't look right back into my history before Rethink Press, but there are several books that haven't <laughs> that haven't been a speak clean. And my view would be, you know, you know, rational realistic view is we're just quoting other people that are going to get benefit from seeing yeah, that. Yeah. But technically, you're still supposed to clear it. Um, yeah, and I always thought, like, you know, stay away from poetry and song yeah. lyrics. Yes. Um, but even quoting something somebody may have said in a TED talk and shining a spotlight on them could potentially get you in the wrong. Well, yeah, I, I must say I'd hate to be in the publishing industry. When I saw the sort of rights clearance I'd need to do, I just thought this is ridiculous. <laughs> and really, you know, this is about the kind of like, I suppose, the scale of the business. As we've grown up, we've got um, we've got a, a publishing manager that looks after all of these things. And she's really, really hot on, you know, doing the right thing and not not falling foul of the rules. Um, if it was me still running that side of it, I probably wouldn't have even paid attention to the the <laughs> seminar that was saying, you yeah. know, really be really clear on this. You can get in, into problems. Yeah. Um, yeah, I take a pragmatic view on a lot of those things. You know, as you say, if it's a small quote and I'm giving credit to the book, I can't see that there's a need to go and get clearance. But, you know, yeah. I know the publishers have to, but I personally wouldn't do it if I was self-publishing. Yeah, and that, that was my view prior to, to seeing this and then, and then you know, handing over to somebody that it's their job, you know, they've got to feel they can do the right thing in our business. Yeah. And for me to say, no, you know, technically, the, you know, we'll be okay. Yeah. Isn't really, it doesn't really yeah. cut it because they want to do the right thing. So, yeah. I've, um, yeah, I'm learning more and more. And I think that's the thing. Like, I, you, like you say, I probably do have a good feel for where you can kind of, yeah, sail close to the wind and where you can't but it still doesn't hurt to to talk to you or somebody like you to say you know what's going on here and there have been other times I can't remember but we, we've called on you, you for advice and sometimes it's a very simple yeah you know just do that or yeah that, that that'll be okay I, I can't see an issue with that um and other times it's like yeah this is what would have to happen in order for that to happen and you're like uh, I may just drop that idea yeah. It wasn't such a good good idea after all. And sometimes knowing what not to do um, yeah. in business is really useful. Yeah. Yeah, I think really on the name is probably the most important thing that business owners need to focus on getting right because everything is captured in that name, you know. Yeah. And, and then other think, things yeah. maybe. I wonder, because a lot of people just think as long as they can get the .com, they've got the name. And I think that's as far oh, as people's no. brain goes in terms of thinking they've protected it. Um, no, you I, see, if it's too similar to somebody else's name, that could cause a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, .com is not the be and end all at all. <laughs> and I imagine, I, I'm sure you, you've got like, like you've got access to the case, kind of cases where this happens. 
some people have probably lost domain names because they had no right to have them in the first place. Yeah. Well, I give an example in the book where somebody lost their whole business because he had chosen a similar name to a competitor of his without realizing this would be a problem and got the .com. But after spending a lot of money promoting the domain, he had them confiscated and had to start from scratch, you know. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. Terrible, but just another warning. <laughs> you know, this this can happen. It can happen, especially when you're successful. No, you don't lose anything really if you've got nothing to lose, do you? You only lose it when you gained yeah. you gained that kind of growth. So thank you very much, uh, Joe, for appearing on the podcast. I just really want to finish off by asking you, as you know so much about books and good books, if you could name a few books that are really good for somebody setting up a business or brand to read. Well, I would read all of your books, obviously. Uh, (laughs) You know, you can pay me later, but no, you know, legally branded sets that that up really clearly and it made me think much more seriously mm-hmm. um about the whole process so there's that i would i don't i don't necessarily think you need a book on that part of it like as a as a, as a yeah. professional in branding you need to you need to know that it's an important yeah. part of your job and if you want to be mm-hmm. world class in terms of helping organizations to name and and grow things you need to really consider that legal side um, mm-hmm. so i'd say read all of your books I don't think there are. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think there are any other books that actually do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know any? I don't. I mean, I, I'm assuming no. you don't. But how about to be inspired in business? Do you? Um... Oh right, yeah. So um, one of my favourite books is actually um, it, it's an old book and it's kind of out of print. It's by a chap called Guy Kawasaki, and oh, it's yes. How to Drive Your Competition Crazy. Right. Um, it's one of my favorite books there are lots of models in there for how to how to do things that will make competitors especially bigger competitors if you're an upstart or you're you're a challenger brand mm. how to do things that are going to just really upset them because they won't be able to respond um so i love that book and i but it's I, out got them behind me I, I used to always hang on to about three or four copies and oh. i would give that book to anybody really yeah oh. it would, and why is it out of print I just think it's probably it's probably past its prime in terms of the references because he was the he was the chief uh, the chief advocate or I forget there was a chief evangelist for Apple that was one of these kind of claims to fame and so the, the references that he uses are kind of old now uh, but it's fundamentally a solid book so uh, not a lot of people have heard of it mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's why it's out of print maybe it didn't sell as well as it should have mm-hmm. um, yeah great okay well thank you very much Joe. Thanks, Shireen. It's lovely to see you. How can people get in touch with you if they want to publish their own book? Rethinkpress.com is the best place to go. You can find me on um, LinkedIn and Facebook, but on Facebook, I'm just forward slash get published. I felt quite pleased I managed to get that (laughs) in the early early days. Um, But yeah, you'll find us if you you search for Rethink Press, you'll find us um, all over the place. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd say one thing, just if I can can get this plug in, at the moment, what, what we're really... Uh, working on and it's going really well we run a program called book builder uh, book-builder.com where we help people who are right the early stages of of coming out with their book idea and thinking of the title and and actually planning to write the book Um, that takes you through that in 90 days and it's run by my co-director lucy and we're having massive success with that for our our budding authors 
Um, so yeah. So is it suitable for somebody who just has an idea that they want? It is, yeah. And I, all I'd say is they really need to have a business first. We we work. That's where we 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 fit perfectly. They've got a business already. Mm-hmm. They know they need to write a book, and they don't necessarily know how to put that together together and and position it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're loving it. It's a it's a great program. We're on our fourth intake. Um, it's a 90 day process and we're getting amazing results and getting lots of people through. Okay. We'll add challenge. it to your show notes. We'll add a link. Thank you so much. Good. Lovely. Well, thank you very much indeed, Joe. Thanks, Shireen. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do sign up for the Brand Tuned Book Launch. Among other benefits of signing up is that you can become a brand-tuned ambassador and get access to the unique perks, including a no-charge one-to-one consultation with me on Zoom. You'll also be among the first to hear when I launch the pilot Brand-Tuned Accelerator. There's more information about the Accelerator over at brandtune.com.